Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Shall I take your order, or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. At Consumer Cellular, you get the same exact coverage as the largest carriers, but for up to half the cost. Same thing, up to half the cost. Up to half the cost for the same thing. 50% the money for 100% the same thing. I hope I'm making myself clear. Consumer Cellular. When freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at 1-888-FREEDOM. Half the cost savings based on cost of consumer cellular single line 5 gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon in May 2023. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you, nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down. But you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. It's Friday, baby. It is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. You are welcome to call in 877-377-4373. 
We're going to have fun today. I'm going to try to churn through this massive stack of headlines of Chris's that I've ignored all week long, as I always do. I'll get to your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. Talk a little politics. I'll probably leave that for the headlines Chris has handed me. But first, let's get dark out here. Dark. In... One of the greatest stories that's never been told in movie form. You know, we talk a lot about different history stories. And some of them, I think to myself, they could make a movie out of that. Maybe they couldn't. Maybe it's too complicated. Maybe they'd need too much. But this, this is true. This happened. 1628, the Netherlands, you have a spice trade. I have attempted to explain this in the past in a way that would make sense to everybody because we can't make sense of it now. Spice trade, it's just totally out of our wheelhouse because of where we live. What do you do when you need spices? Head on down to the grocery store and head to the spice section. And you have, you're staring at what? 200 different spices, at least. Anything you want. Salt, pepper, whatever, cayenne, anything you want. That is not the case for most of history. Most of history, you're bound to what you have around you, especially if you don't have a ton of money. What? Okay, well, what can you grow? Oh, you can grow some corn. Oh, good, you're eating corn. Oh, that'll be good. We'll just put a little salt and pepper on it. No, 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 no. You don't, you don't have salt. You don't have pepper. You're going to pull it out of the ground, and you're going to boil that crap, and you're going to eat it. And contrary to popular belief, they had functioning tongues back then. All it would take would be once, and you pull that corn out of the ground and put some salt and pepper on it and be, um, wow, that is a thousand times better than what we had before. Understand? And so the travel of spices, the trade of spices became enormous, enormous business. And I had made the comparison before saying the spice trade would be equivalent to oil today. And honestly, the more I dug into it, even that's not drastic enough for me to explain to you. It would be more like cocaine. It's that lucrative. You know how these guys would make, you hear these stories about, and I don't know what the big drug of choice is today, but you hear these stories about guys in the 70s and 80s, they'd make a 1,000% on cocaine, those kind of profit margins, that's spices. They're hard to get. Everybody wants them. But uh, you're in the Netherlands. You, you've you got to go to India. <laughs> you've got to go to the Philippines. Um, you can't take United. Do you know how you have to get to India, to the Philippines, which, you know, the East Indies? Do you know how you have to get there? By boat, baby. These are, we are way, way, way out of the 
Silk Road era. You remember that uh, whole thing Genghis Khan essentially started, Marco Polo fame, where you travel across land? You don't have to do that anymore, so it's not that bad, but you have to take a boat. Now, we need to have a little discussion about, quote, taking a boat. It's a large boat, often. There's more than one boat. You didn't, I mean, we like to picture this huge sailboat sailing by itself through the middle of the ocean. No, that's a good way to get yourself killed. There were wrecks. There were attacks. You're not just the Netherlands. You're not the only game in town as far as spices go, especially at this point in time. Spain and Portugal had the spice stuff on lockdown. You're new to the game. So you, with other ships, would hop on a ship and it is really, really, really hard, boring, miserable living. And the ship we're talking about here specifically is the Batavia, so we might as well just go into that. It holds 300-some people, and there were 300-some people on it. And it holds all manner of people because you don't waste a voyage like that. Again, you're not there and back in a day. This is going to take... Nine months to get from the Netherlands to the East Indies. Nine months. Remember, the East Indies are just north of Australia. That's where we're talking about here. And you're going around Africa to give you some frame of reference. And there are all kinds of people on the ship. There are there's just the ship's crew alone. You have the captain. You're going to need to remember his name. I'm going to give you more names than normal today. Don't worry. I will make it easy. You know how I hate names because it gets lost. People forget them. The captain of the ship, his name was Jakobs. Remember that. You had the captain and the captain's crew. They're the people that have to do all the different things you do on a ship. You have soldiers on the ship. This is going to come into play too. Why are there soldiers on the ship? Well, they're not actually there for the ship specifically. Remember, you're heading over to a different part of the world where the Netherlands, they have bases. They have garrisons. They have other soldiers who need relief that have been stationed in some other place for a long time. You're sending new soldiers to replace those soldiers. You have normal, everyday civilians. For whatever reason, they're leaving the Netherlands, maybe to start a new life, like a westward expansion. That's going to come into play, too. And you have some highfalutin, high society types, maybe a fancy merchant who's trying to establish a new shop somewhere. You don't waste a foot of space on a ship that size if you're making a big voyage like that. It's a big deal. You need a big ship. You need lots of them. And then you have to supply all these people. And the supplies, it's an ugly situation, man. On top of the money, you need a ton of silver. They're bringing silver over there to give the silver to the people who are there. In exchange, they get the spices to bring back. You have replacements for food or replacements for clothes, shoes, medicines, such as it was back then. But the food situation was really not good. Your quote-unquote fresh water, because, you know, you can't drink seawater. Your fresh water, 
oftentimes had to have the worms strained out of it before you drank it. Remember, we are not in the age of refrigeration. Your fresh water is thrown in a bucket, a barrel, and kept in the sweltering heat as you sail around Africa. Your meat, your diet mostly consists of meat because it keeps better, is just essentially coated in salt to keep it from going bad. It was the only way they could keep it from going bad. Fresh fruit? (laughs) Yeah, there's none of that. Keep in mind, it's a nine-month voyage. Hardly any resupply on the way. You took into account, the trip was so brutal, you took into account that you would lose 20, 30 people every trip just dead from scurvy. Your eyes would bleed and your gums would go soft and you would die a miserable death. They didn't know then what we know now. They were dying of scurvy because they didn't have vitamin C. They didn't have fresh fruit. The human body would break down. Oh, it gets grosser. Hang on. need a good night's sleep you need one tonight i need one tonight you need one tomorrow you need one every night i mean the the health benefits alone from getting a good night's sleep let alone the fact you're in a better mood it's it's gotta happen and you have to stop doing that thing you've been doing that thing i've done far too many times trying solutions that really just try to mask the problem i'm gonna i'm gonna just take some sleeping pills well that doesn't do anything. You still feel groggy the next day. What you need is an ebb sleep. An ebb sleep specifically targets the reason you can't sleep. Those racing thoughts going through your head. And it does it without drugs. It's a wearable, drug-free solution. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. And use the promo code jesse at checkout. Get you 25 bucks off. Absolutely. Jesse Kelly returns next. The worst part about the food, the hard tack which you'd call it bread, and this is so gross. Just cover your ears for 30 seconds if you don't want to hear it. They actually knew by how each bite tasted whether they were eating parts of a cockroach or a worm. Not even joking. They said the cockroach tasted kind of like sausage, and you knew if you ate a bite of it, you got a little cockroach in there. The bathroom situation. Remember I said 300-some people? Well, the captain kind of gets his own thing, and the other fancy-schmancy people had one too, and there were two bathrooms shared by everybody. When I say bathroom, I'm talking hole on the deck. And there's one other aspect to all this. This is the Dutch East India Company. It is their ship. 
It is their ships. There are seven of them. The Batavia was one of them. And the Dutch East India Company is not going to allow seven of their ships to take off with all that money and go get spiced and turn around and come back without some serious representation on those ships. And that guy's name, there were two of them, the guy in charge, the Dutch East India Company guy, remember this, Pelshart. His second in command was Cornelius. You are really going to remember that name. So remember, the skipper's name was Jakobs. The Dutch East India guy who's kind of over everyone is Pelshart. The second in command of Pelshart is Cornelius. Got all that? And they take off. Here's the issue. Already. One, there is a beautiful woman on the ship. This is before the age of pictures. I don't believe pictures have been invented at all. I'm only going off of what we have multiple accounts. Apparently, this woman was drop dead gorgeous, and everybody talked about how beautiful she was. She was married, but her husband wasn't on the ship, and she's some high class type who had a maid. And this woman was apparently a stunner. Stunner. I believe her name was Cratia. I think that's right. I'll I'll go with that for now. That may be wrong. I think her name is Cratia. So that's already going to be an issue. Anybody who's ever been in an environment where there are a ton of men and not an equal amount of beautiful women knows how that situation ends. It ends in tension. Biology is what it is. The skipper of the ship, you remember, his name was Jakobs. He hated the Dutch East India Company guy. His name is Pelshirt. So they take off, and they are heading for the Cape of Good Hope. That is the southern tip of Africa. You have to sail from the Netherlands, clear down around Africa, and then take off up through the Indian Ocean to get where you're going. And when I say take off, again, we like to picture this this ship with wind just carrying it like it's in the clouds. They were traveling about two miles an hour. That's how fast you walk through the mall if you're sauntering and looking at things on the way by. And it's freezing, and then it's boiling hot. Getting a pretty good idea of what life is like. And this tension between Pelshirt and Jakobs starts to get real bad. There's incident after incident. Not going to go into all of them for our purposes today. Jakobs had a bad drinking problem and was a bad drunk. He would get drunk. He would do dumb things. Pelshirt would dress him down in front of everybody, embarrass him. They hated each other. And then Jakobs had his eyes on that beautiful woman. She rejected him. Was a married woman. Rejected his advances. Well, I've seen the way Marines act on deployment. He then moved right on from the beautiful woman to the beautiful woman's maid. Now, if you are a beautiful woman's maid, kind of living with the rest of the peons on a ship like that, 
and the captain of the ship makes advances towards you. That doesn't sound that unappealing when you can make your way out of the dark depths of a smelly ship like that and stay in the captain's corners, right? Better food, your own bathroom, wine, liquor. I know I'm making her sound shallow, but I want you to understand. That's quite an upgrade from a maid, right? It's quite an upgrade. She pounced on it. See ya. I'm out. I'm going to go hang with the captain for a while. I don't know whether there's some physical attraction there, but I'm going to go hang with the captain for a while. The eating's a lot better up there. So she takes off. And one day, one day, Jakobs is standing on the deck of the ship. And he is approached by Cornelius. Remember, Cornelius is Pell Shirt's number two. And Jakobs suggests mutiny. Suggests killing Pell Shirt. Now, you have to understand this. Even mentioning the word mutiny back then, even a slight indication that you wanted to do a mutiny... Let's just say this, you'll be lucky if the best thing that happens to you is they just chuck you overboard to go drown in the ocean or be eaten by the sharks who often followed ships like this. They would most likely torture you first. They took mutiny so seriously, so seriously, it was ugly if you were found out that, that, that Jacobs even suggested this to Cornelius was shocking. Cornelius doesn't say no, though. And they begin to form a plan to get rid of Pelcher. They try to start recruiting people on this ship, and you need to get this. A lot of the sailors on these ships, all the sailors, most of the sailors, I'm not sure what a fair way to put it is. They're the dregs of society, brother. They are paid almost nothing to live the way I already described to you as their life. That's their life. What kind of a human being would sign on for something like that? The kind of human being without any other options. Almost undoubtedly somebody with a criminal past. Almost undoubtedly people who are at the lower end of the IQ pool. If that sounds harsh to you, tough, that's life. You find the absolute worst jobs in society that pay absolutely nothing. You are not going to find the most capable, talented people. You are going to find the people there with no options. And so when you're Cornelius and you're Jacobs and you're trying to form a crew for mutiny, you are going to find some receptive people when you tell them, here's the plan. We get rid of Pelshirt. We have a lot of silver on this ship. We get rid of Pelshirt, we can become rich pirates. You remember the pirate show we did a few days ago? Understand, that's how so many pirates came to be. They had a mutiny. And once you have a mutiny, you can't ever join society again because you get executed. Let's toss Pelshirt overboard, have us a mutiny, get rich, roll on. 
So they start to separate from the other ships in the fleet. Not the end of the world, not uncommon. Start to slowly move away. And then things started to get a little ugly. You need to understand just how nefarious Jacobs and Cornelius are in their attempt to have this mutiny against Pelshirt. You remember that beautiful woman I told you about? Well, Pelshirt had his eyes on her too. Apparently, any guy who was straight had his eyes on her, and he had his eyes on her hard. So what Jacobs and Cornelius did is they had seven guys put on masks one night after dark, grab this woman, and it's not as bad as you think. I mean, it's really bad. They held her down, slapped her around a little, put feces on her, just really scared the daylights out of her and humiliated her. And the plan was simply this. They wanted Pelshirt to wake up the next day, find out about this, freak out, and punish everybody, which would get more people on their side for the the mutiny. That was the plan. Now, when I say nefarious, I mean, that's dark, man. That's, That's Machiavellian. Clearly, the lady was rattled, but on they sailed. Now, we like to imagine... When we're talking about ancient sailing ships and things like that, we like to imagine that they were all these, my goodness, all they did was they could look up at the stars. And actually, if you hold your ring finger exactly one inch away from your index finger and put the tip of it on the Big Dipper, it'll show people a lot of these guys were totally guessing. And even the ones who weren't guessing You are not in a ship with a motor. You are in a sailing vessel. You are at so much the mercy of the currents, the mercy of the winds. That's a long way of saying lots of times you don't know where you are. You think you have a good idea. You may have a general idea, but you don't know where you are. And they thought they were hundreds of miles away from the west coast of Australia. Ah, turns out they were not hundreds of miles away from the west coast of Australia. And when I say the west coast, I mean Australia was still way too far away. They couldn't see it. But there were islands out there. And not nice ones. Long story short, one night, crunch. The middle of the night is very, very difficult to see not only the islands, it's borderline impossible to see, even though they always had lookouts, you just had to, it's borderline impossible to see a massive coral reef structure that's underneath the water. And remember, these ships go deep underneath the water because they're so freaking heavy. And they grounded on on the coral reef, 
And once the sunlight came out, they realized, uh oh, this is not good. When I say grounded, I mean ship is toast. That ship is not sailing on anymore. Now, you have on this ship a long vessel, about 40 feet long, kind of, I want to call it a lifeboat. It's not necessarily what it was, but it had one sail on it, 40 feet long. So you had the ability to get people on and off the ship. And that's what they began to do. About 20 people pretty much immediately jumped into the water because they can see this island, this really crappy island, and drowned. It's really funny for us to think about because most people know how to swim. You know how to swim. Most of you do. Uh, About one in seven of people actually knew how to swim back then, even sailors, people on the water. People were freaking out. They don't know what's happening. They jump in the water. They drown. And we started out with about 300 people. They start loading folks onto this boat and getting them over to the island. There are about four islands in this main area that's going to come into play here in a moment. There are four islands, really, that they focused on, but they all land on this one. Only not everybody leaves the ship. About 40 dudes stay back on the ship, and these are Cornelius. Do you remember him? The sailors, the soldiers. Well, everyone else took off. The ship isn't really going down yet. It's certainly getting beaten up badly, but okay, well... Everyone's taking off, and they took a bunch of the supplies over there, but here we are. We are the dregs of society. We've never had anything in our lives, and now we find ourselves on the ship with a bunch of swords and muskets and all the booze and some of the water and some of the food. So a bunch of the guys just decided they're going to stay on the ship and screw everybody else They're going to stay on and get drunk and have a good time. At one point, the people on the island come back to the ship to try to grab some water. They almost got killed. Now, a decision has to be made. Eventually, the ship does break up. All the guys who were on it come to the island, including Cornelius, who was one of the last ones. Some say the last one off the ship. Cornelius also couldn't swim. The ship was breaking up, going down after eight days. He grabs that long pointy thing at the end of it. It breaks off. He falls in the water. I wish he died. Everyone else would eventually wish he died. However, of course, as is often the case, the guy did not die. Grabbed onto some stuff, paddled his little way onto shore. Now you have a situation, a bad situation. When I say island, you need to get the island from Castaway and Swiss Family Robinson out of your mind now. You can actually go Google this island right now if you want. You want to talk about sparse? There's nothing. There are shrubs. There's not a tree. There's nothing. And it's tiny. And you're surrounded by other islands that look like there's nothing. It sucks. And remember, you're in Australia. You have gale force winds in the winter. You have skin-melting heat in the summer. And these guys were all smart enough to know this. So Jakobs 
And Pelshirt, remember Jakobs, the captain who hated Pelshirt, they do get together and say, okay, staying here is not an option. We have got, got to go try for a rescue. They have this 40-foot vessel, this 40-foot vessel that is very much not made for the open ocean, but what choice do they have? The vessel was made for 40 people. They actually pile 48 of them in it, including, I mean, a woman and her baby. We're, we're talking everybody, everyone they could get. All Basically, the vast stores of water and food, because they were going out of the ocean, ocean, open ocean. Pelshirt decides to join them with Jakobs, and they take off to go get a rescue. And now, well... Now you've entered a living hell if you're still on the island. Because you have a man named Cornelius who knows his mutiny, his attempted mutiny, is going to be found out if that ship actually makes it back. If that ship makes it to rescue, he knows his mutiny is going to be found out and he's facing torture and death. Well, that's a problem. That's certainly an issue. But here's what else he knows. This is an extremely manipulative, influential people who already has muscle. He already has guys on his side, his fellow mutineers. He's surrounded by women and children and some other men, but not warriors. And some warriors. That's going to come into play here shortly. There were some soldiers, remember, who were going to garrison. So you're not facing with you're not faced with nothing but weakness, but you've got a lot of it. And you, as Cornelius, decide just, you know, to take command because he would take command. It would be his station. He takes command of the island, and the first thing he does was take control of all the swords and the few muskets they have. And then hell began. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Boomernaturals.com. Remember that amazing name because you're probably going to use them, well, for a while now. One, they have masks. I don't know if you've seen the news, but... Cities like L.A. already decided you are required to wear a mask. Required to wear a mask. Your employer, they might require you to wear a mask coming up very, very shortly. Boomer Naturals has adult masks. They have kid masks. And they have a lot more than just face masks there. They have so many products, natural products, as you may have guessed from the name, that will improve your quality of life. Let's be honest. You put too many chemicals in your body. I put too many chemicals in my body. We need to start using more natural things, and Boomer Naturals is that for us. Go to BoomerNaturals.com, and don't forget to use the code JESSE20 at checkout. Get you 20% off every single order.
Cornelius is not a stupid man. He's got some muscle. He does not have all the muscle. There are still plenty of soldiers on this island and sailors he doesn't control. There are plenty of people on this island who aren't necessarily comfortable with his command. So Webby Hay or so Cornelius has a decision. It's to figure out what to do. He has carpenters who are furiously making rafts. One of the first things he does is he stops them. No, 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 no. We we have all the rafts we need. He then starts to move people. In mass, move people on these rafts who are not loyal to him off of his island onto other islands and leave them there. Saying, all right, you set up shop here and go look for water and food. We're going to run out. And he takes off. Takes another group of people, leaves them on this island. Takes a man, uh, just a private soldier, guy's name is Webby Hayes. He's just a private, just a young dude, but he's a trained soldier. Takes him and some of these stronger men, and he knows he has to get rid of Webby Hayes. He has to get these guys away from him and his mutineers. So he takes them to their own island after his men scout that island and come back and tell Cornelius, yeah, this island sucks, dude. There's no water or food here. It sucks. He grabs Webby Hayes, his other men, and says, oh, we've got this good island for you. Go explore it. Goes and drops them all on this one. He comes back. He now is in firm command. He is, well, he's a monster. Anybody who doesn't submit is oftentimes taken out, sometimes one or two at a time, They are taken out in these little boats to go, quote, fishing with his other mutineers where they just toss them over the side or knife them in the back first and toss them over the side. The women are, you don't have to, well, use your imagination. The women on the ship did not have a great experience on the island. They were essentially kept in one little area to be, used whenever somebody felt like using them. Remember the beautiful woman? She, nobody knows exactly what the circumstances are, was essentially wooed by Cornelius against her will, not against her will. Again, remember the decision her maid made? I'm not defending her. I'm not indicting her. I wasn't there. I can't imagine how the human psyche would be ravaged in a situation like this. But Cornelius would do things like bring her to his tent and offer her a bottle of wine. And I don't judge other people because, let's be honest, I'm pretty much the worst person on the planet and admit it. What decision would you make in that time? You can go be tossed in the stable of other women who are routinely abused by anyone or everyone, or you can suck it up willingly or otherwise and just belong to Cornelius. That's the decision she made. Should be noted later on, 
Well, we'll get to that. The other islands were slowly dying off as they ran out of food and water, and Cornelius was steadily killing anybody who didn't give them loyalty. One night, and maybe the worst story I can imagine because I think about what the children went through, one night there was a priest on the island and his family. There were nine of them in total. And this priest really kept to himself. He wasn't a mutineer. He wasn't some rebel. He just kept to himself. The priest had a 21-year-old single daughter. Not a great situation to be in. The priest was invited to come dine with Cornelius and some of his lieutenants, and he was told to bring his daughter along. I have to assume by this point in time, unless they're both complete morons, they have a pretty good idea this is not so he can go pray over them. They have to know this is ugly. While Cornelius was dining with the priest and his lieutenants were dining with the priest and his 21-year-old daughter, Cornelius's men snuck into the tent of the seven remaining family members of the priest, extinguished the lamp so they were in the dark, and beat and stabbed all seven of them to death, including a young boy. Thought about not even telling you that part because it's so dark, but you need to understand the kind of evil we're dealing with here, the kind of evil man is capable of. But the story is not all villains. You remember Webby Hayes? Remember that private Webby Hayes? Young dude. They sent him to the other island because he's just going to starve to death and die of thirst with his other soldiers. Good thing we got rid of them. Hmm. Webby Hayes ain't playing that game. Webby Hayes. Webby Hayes does his own scouting of his own island where he was sent to starve. Where his men were sent to starve and die of thirst so they couldn't be a problem. Uh, yeah, Webby Hayes turns out he landed on the gold mine. He landed on the island. He found fresh wells of fresh water. He found sea lions and birds to kill. He and his other strong young men, they start living high on the hog. And they start getting people who are, not many, but they start getting people who are escaping from Cornelius's island. So now, not only is Webby Hayes starting to make a good name for himself over there, he knows that he has essentially a demon and his buddies on the other island. And Webby Hayes knows eventually Cornelius and his group of thugs, they're going to try to come for us because we have all the water and food. Remember when I said this was going to be a good movie? So Webby Hayes starts making preparations. 
This is The Jesse Kelly Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Now, I know you've been screaming at the radio for at least the last 20 minutes saying, my goodness, tell me what happened to Pelcher and Jacobs. Did they make it? Did they drown in the ocean? The miracle of miracles. That crappy little ship with one sail made it 2,000 miles and they actually arrived at their original destination. They pulled in. Obviously, the Dutch East India Company had some hard questions for Pelshirt. Obviously, they locked up Jakobs for his mutiny. They pull Pelshirt in, and they tell him, Hey, idiot, where's our ship with all of our silver? And he says, We crashed. And they said, well, you're still an idiot. Go take that fast ship out there and some dudes uh, go back and get our ship. Remember, they don't know what's happening on the island. All they know is uh, that was about 30-some million dollars worth worth of silver in today's dollars. Go get it, please. Pelshirt grabs some dudes, hops on a ship, and sets sail. Now... This part is important. Remember the time frames we're talking about here, right? Remember the time frames. They're not in Australia and taking a four-hour plane ride up to, up to the Indies. They're on sailing vessels. We measure time in weeks, months here. That's going to be important in a second. Let's go back to the islands now. So Cornelius knows he has to go get Webby Hayes and his men off of that island because he knows they have supplies now. He needs those supplies. And so he sends an assault force over there. Well, he didn't realize who he was dealing with. Remember when I said Webby Hayes was just a lowly private? Apparently this dude was... Somebody special. He was surrounded by other older, more experienced men. They just gave him the reins. Okay, this dude is a beast. He's in charge. He not only was put in charge, he built not one, but two forts on the island. Forts! He built them, anticipating an assault, including one that was a lookout fort so he could see Cornelius and his men coming. And of course, it works like a charm. He sees Cornelius and his men coming. Cornelius and his men land on the beach. And Webby Hayes and his dudes are there with clubs and all the weapons they'd made to beat them off. And they take off back into the sea. Now Webby Hayes knows they want to attack. They will be back. And Cornelius figures out, well, this is an issue. I don't have enough dudes to go get Webby Hayes and his group of young men off of that island. However, we are about to die of starvation and thirst because it turns out our island sucks and I put him on the island that's really good. I know what I'll do. 
I'll go over there with some dudes and act like I want to be his friend and trade with him, and then I'll eventually attack him and stab him and kill him and take over that island too. And he puts together his crew. Cornelius and five bodyguards. Heads on over to Webby Hayes' island, waving the white flag. Hey, man, not here to start trouble. All that stuff before, we were just desperate for water. I think we should trade. Webby Hayes goes down with his men, sits down with Cornelius, and they begin to talk and drink wine, and they work out a deal. Cornelius is going to give Webby Hayes some shoes and clothes. As you can imagine, they're in tatters by now. Webby Hayes is going to give Cornelius some water and food only. Cornelius is there to kill Webby Hayes, but Webby Hayes knew it all along. Webby Hayes, I know you're already cheering. I I was too as as I read the story. Webby Hayes seizes Cornelius and his men, immediately executes Cornelius's five bodyguards as he should have, drags Cornelius back to the fort where he has a massive pit dug and has Cornelius tossed into it where they eventually throw him birds so he can pluck the feathers and give them back to them so they can cook the birds. Only now, as is often the case, there's an even more capable man in charge of the island of mutineers. They all didn't give up their mutineering ways because, remember, you don't have an option if you're a mutineer. You not only have to kill Webby Hayes, you have to make sure if a rescue vessel ever shows up, you kill all of them too. You are a pirate, Jack. You are out of society now forever. And they begin one day to try their assault on Webby Hayes. And wouldn't you know it, on the day they begin their massive assault on Webby Hayes, and they try to assault his fort, and they're throwing, and Webby Hayes and them are throwing rocks and fighting them off, what appears on the horizon on the same day? Remember the time frames we're talking about? Weeks and months? On the day of the assault on Webby Hayes, the ship appears with Pell shirt on it to come rescue everybody and get the silver. Well, uh-oh, now we have an issue Webby Hayes realizes he has to get to that ship before the mutineers get to that ship because the mutineers are going to get on there and kill everybody. The mutineers realize they have to get to that ship because if Webby Hayes gets there first, he's going to tell them they're mutineers and they're all going to die. And they each start sprinting to their own separate rafts to get in their rafts and sail out, row out to this ship that's coming in and be all, ah, wait. And it's a mad dash. And Webby Hayes gets there first. Gets on the ship, tells Pelshirt what's happening. Right as he's doing this, the mutineers are coming up. Pelshirt finds out about the mutineers, turns a cannon on them, and says, drop your weapons now. They do. They surrender. They're all saved. Well, not necessarily all saved. You see, they took Cornelius back on the island. Remember, this is the 1600s, mind you. They took Cornelius back on the island, strapped him to a wooden platform they made, 
did some horrible form of waterboarding where they essentially tie a sack around your neck and they filled it up with water so water would pour in through your nostrils and your your head would fill up with water. It would come out of your eyeballs. And then they sat him down, set his hands down, and used a hammer and chisel to saw his hands off. And then they hung him, which is a fate better than he deserved, to be frank. They were rescued. That is the story of the Batavia. The woman, in case you're wondering about the beautiful woman, the woman was ostracized by her fellow women when they got back to the port. Her fellow women were obviously extremely resentful. They actually said she was one of the mutineers. They were resentful of the fact she was eating and drinking and having the company of one man while they were being used like the village bicycle by every other man. They eventually actually exonerated her, though. She went on, they think, this is lost in history, they think she went on to live a long life. Her husband had actually been killed when she was on the island, so he was gone. Pellshirt died not long after that. But you know what the story of the Batavia is? Hang on. We don't like to think of ourselves as normal, right? You don't like to think of yourself as normal. I don't like to think of myself as normal. I hate that. But aren't we? Most of us? It's not an insult. The truth is, most people are pretty normal. We like to think of ourselves as extraordinary. Well, that guy's so boring. I'm super interesting. That guy's, man, he's dumb. Sucks he's not smart like me. There's a reason they call it average, because that's what most of us are. It is the most horrible people. And the best people who make this world go round, for better and for worse. You get a a ship full of 300 people, and you're going to have 298 people who are normal. And you're going to have one lion, and you're going to have one demon. And we need to keep that in mind when we survey the landscape of America right now. Because America is not somehow separate from that fact of life. We 
We yell at these politicians. We yell at these pundits as being all evil or all angels. And I fall into this trap too. I'm not not pointing fingers. They are horrible. Our people are great. The truth is this. They're a bunch of average sheep, and we are a bunch of average sheep. And what you're banking on in life is you get a Webby Hayes on your side and not a Cornelius. And that's all you're banking on, man. We don't like to think of ourselves as normal, as society is normal. We're all these extraordinary human beings. We're not. I'm not. I'm just a dude. <laughs> you you hear it every day? I eat red lobster. Try to be a good dad. Fail. Work out. Not as much as I should. Drink too much. Get short-tempered with people. Drive too fast. Lose my temper on the road. Go to church. Sometimes. Sometimes I skip it. I, I can, I'm just like you. I am, I'll tell you what. I'm unique. I've got this figured out. Everybody else, they're stupid. That's not true. That's not true. We have to accept that sometimes you live in extraordinary times. And you should strive to be Webby Hayes because the truth of the matter is this. You don't get to control whose island you end up on. That's why we don't like thinking about that stuff. Think about their specific circumstances. Think about the priest's family. They could easily, with one decision made by somebody else, have been put on Webby Hayes' island. Would have been protected, safe, fed, water. Instead, a young boy spent his last moments on this planet in the darkness surrounded by monsters about to get eaten. In absolute terror. And that's tough for us to think about. And I I have all these emails all the time now. And you're welcome to call in 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I have all these emails about what do we do? What do we do? Look, you can reach out to your politicians via social media easily and let them know how you feel. As I've told you before, and you should. The president of the United States of America, your governor, your mayor, your congressman, your senator are more accessible to you now than they ever have been at any point in the history of the United States of America. You have more power now to speak to them than you ever have. You think it's hard to get a hold of them now? Try being in the 70s. They're not taking your call, Jack, and you can't email them either. Have fun sitting down with your, you know, did they use the quills and ink still back then and firing off a letter that you seal with a wax seal and hope he sees it one day? You're never getting a letter back. Right now, if you so choose, you can get online on Twitter. Trump lives on Twitter. I know you may be past your days to get on it, but President of the United States lives on there. I know for a fact he reads it. I know for a fact he reads my timeline. You can get on there right now and talk to the president of the United States. And I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but there's a good chance he sees it. 
You could send him one tweet every single day, and I promise you he would see it eventually. He spends that much time with me. You can only control what you can control. You can. By the way, I should mention as far as Webby Hayes goes, know that his life turned out just all right, and that is a very good thing. He was promoted immediately to sergeant until he got back to the Netherlands. They promoted him immediately to lieutenant. They figured out, uh, yeah, this is a special human being. He's still celebrated to this day as a national hero in the Netherlands. Kind of cool, right? Kind of cool. One man taking charge, doing the hard, scary thing, and saving other people. Good for him. Now, that's all the heavy stuff there. I have 8,000 different headlines I have to get to that Chris has printed out for me and I've ignored throughout the week. You know I'm going to get to them. It's also an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, and I'm going to begin with those questions now. I haven't really vetted these yet, so let us begin. Dr. Jesse, has online dating played a role in the sissification of Western men? They now no longer, they now, I think she meant to say now no longer, they no longer need to summon the guts to approach a girl face to face. I don't know about the online dating thing, but I will tell you this. I have witnessed this eight trillion times in my lifetime, and this is what I've seen. And I know you've seen it too. If you're a dude and you look around and eventually you'll see some dime and she'll be with some dude who's flat out ugly. And you know what you say to yourself? You say this as a cop out. I know I've said it too. You say, dude must be rich. Sure. She's a gold digger. Sometimes that's true. Sure. Women can be gold diggers. I'm not, not saying they're saints like everyone else does, but you know what oftentimes is the case there? He was the one with the guts to go ask her out. Every single beautiful woman I have ever known in my entire life has, and I mean everyone, has said the exact same thing to me. Nobody asks me out. Go read these interviews with all the fancy models and stuff like that out there. They're almost always asked, actresses, whoever all the beautiful people are. They're almost always asked, who are you dating? Why aren't you dating anyone? Almost every single one will say, nobody asks me out. The truth is, a hundred dudes, just like on the Batavia, will look at a beautiful woman and think, oh, she's probably dating an athlete or something out of my league. And there's always one dude, doesn't have to be the best looking, doesn't have to be the richest. There's one dude who rolls up and says, hi, I'm Jesse. Let's go get a steak. Actually, forget that. Let's get a red lobster. What, Chris? All right, it's guest time. Hang on. I'm about to save you money, and it's going to be BoomerNaturals.com, promo code JESSE20. Now, I know what you're saying. Jesse, what's BoomerNaturals? That's a funny name. It's an awesome name for one. Two, 
They're obviously focusing on baby boomers, folks getting older, folks wanting to improve their health and their quality of life without downing a bunch of pills. Speaking of older folks, they need face masks right now. Maybe you've heard there's a pandemic. Some cities are requiring them. Some concerts, sports venues are going to require them. Maybe you just want one. Whatever the case may be, Boomer Naturals has them, and they have really, really good ones. Masks that give you 92.2% protection. That's incredible. Boomer Naturals has adult sizes, kid sizes, and they'll give you 20% off if you use the code JESSE20 at checkout. BoomerNaturals.com. Code is JESSE20. Joining me now, the great Sean Davis at the Federalist. Sean, are you a wings with your pizza guy, or are you purely a pizza guy when you order in pizza? Uh, what did you? Am I a what with my pizza guy? Chicken wings. Do you are you prone to order chicken wings with your pizza, or is pizza night purely pizza night? No, no, just pizza. Maybe breadsticks if I'm feeling kind of frisky, but Ooh, never wings. I like those. Okay, I support that. Sean, what is what is Crossfire Hurricane? I think a lot of people, especially non-politicos, don't understand what people are talking about when they hear a lot of these words. Explain what it is. Crossfire Hurricane was the name of the umbrella in an investigation by the FBI of the entire Trump campaign and then later the Trump transition and Trump administration uh, in 2016, 2017. And they had a number of components in that. They went after Paul Manafort, Michael Flynn, Carter Page, George Papadopoulos. But Crossfire Hurricane was the name they gave to their whole little spy operation against the, uh, against the Trump team. Now, they were spying on them specifically for Russian collusion, correct? They claimed they were spying on them for Russian collusion. Now, whether they actually were doing that or whether they had ulterior motives, I, I can't say. And Manafort is in prison right now. Actually, I think they let him out for coronavirus. Why is he in prison? Prison Is it for colluding with Russia? No, Paul Manafort was actually rung up uh, by Mueller's team, not for anything to do with Russian collusion or the 2016 election, but for uh, financial transactions and work and, and tax filings he made years before he was ever involved with the Trump campaign, before the Trump campaign was even a thing that existed. Is that a normal thing? And tell me if it is for somebody to get investigated like that for something completely unrelated, them to find something else and then throw them in prison for it? No, it's actually pretty unusual. It reminds one of the quote from, I believe it was an East German Stasi official who says, uh, give me the man and I'll find you the crime. Where do we stand now with all this Flynn justice? I hear Lindsey Graham's back in the headlines, threatening more hearings. I've heard these threats from Lindsey Graham before. Where does it all stand now? So right now, the whole thing's beginning to unravel. Uh, The attorney general, Bill Barr, the bravest man in Washington, in my view, has tapped a U.S. attorney named John Durham, who has a long history of going after the mob, going after the FBI and revealing government corruption to dig into this whole spy op from the Obama team uh, and figure out what happened. And and as far as Lindsey Graham's concerned, um, 
he is he's a big talker. He promises a lot and does very little. But to be honest, I don't really want him involved in anything right now. I'm happy for him to go on Fox and say he's going to do things and pretend to do things as long as he allows the actual adults like Ron Johnson and Devin Nunes and Chuck Grassley to do their jobs and not get in their way. The last thing we need right now is Lindsey Graham feeling like he needs to actually do work for once because he'll just end up screwing the whole thing up. What is his deal? Is he a what does he believe, Sean? Is he just one of the Washington good old boys that wants to go along and get along and then get real loud for publicity? Does he actually believe in something? I always just took him as, you know, kind of McCain's little brother. What is he? Uh that it's a good question. I I think he generally believes in invading all the places all the time militarily. Like that seems to be his his North Star ideologically. But when it comes to other stuff, you know, what drives him to promise to do things and then not do them, I think it's mainly that he's a politician. I I worked up on the Hill and in the Senate for a long time, and you can count on one hand the number of members who actually want to do really hard oversight work and dig in and not really care about headlines. So he's actually in good company uh, as a guy who talks a lot and does very little. What do we stand with Michael Flynn? I understand now we have some judge blocking it. What's this judge doing? Right. So this judge overseeing his case has his very uh, apparent deep personal hatred of Flynn. He's made it evident throughout the trial. He called Flynn, who was in the military for more than 30 years, decorated combat veteran. He called him a traitor. We're called it treason. It's something that uh, could actually result in the death penalty. He's attacked Flynn's lawyer. And what he's doing now, rather than following the law and the Constitution and the uh, requirements of, of court precedent, to dismiss this case, given that the prosecutor wants it gone, is he's bringing in Sally Yates, his former attorney. I'm not even making this up. A Clinton appointee who previously represented Sally Yates to argue that uh, that Flynn shouldn't have the charges dismissed, which is just a total abomination and, and perversion of what the Constitution requires. And I hope that DOJ soon will be seeking relief from a higher court to uh, have the case dismissed and to have the case completely removed from this judge's courtroom. I had somebody ask me yesterday, Sean, and I thought it was a great question. Barack Obama, whatever you think of him, obviously I can't stand the guy, was an outgoing president. He'd finished his second term. Why do this if you're Obama? What's the motivation to either direct it or in the very least oversee it? You have to be weapons grade naive to think he didn't know about it at this point, which means he signed off on it. Why bother with something that could be so damaging to you when you're leaving? Well, I I think the Obama administration at that point was in pretty deep. They'd already been spying on Trump. And they were very worried that if he actually got in there and started figuring out what was going on, uh, things were going to be bad. So a key part of their plan was getting rid of Michael Flynn, a a national security advisor who'd been in the intel community, knew where the bodies were buried. They didn't want him knowing about the spy operation. And after they sidelined him, they moved to sideline Jeff Sessions, uh, the incoming president's attorney general. So I think a lot of this was done just to protect them. They never thought that they'd get caught. Uh, and it was also done to cripple the incoming administration, which Obama knew was going to undo much of what he had done, including the Iran deal. And it's why the uh, the deep state reacted the way it did when James Comey was fired. That guy was the last line of defense. He was supposed to make sure Trump never learned anything, which is why he lied about him, uh, lied to his face about the investigation. And so after Comey was fired, that's why they spun up Mueller to make sure that this thing could be covered up. And it is only through the courage and the fortitude of Bill Barr that we know anything uh, about what's happening right now. 
You have always shared my pessimism that anybody of any significance actually goes down for this. I've allowed myself a brief moment the past couple days, Sean, with all these headlines to say, man, Barr seems to be taking this really seriously. Have you changed on that at all? Well, I will believe that people will be held accountable when they're in handcuffs and orange jumpsuits. Um, Until then, uh, I think we have to keep up the pressure, but I will say, you know, if not for Barr, who, who took this job as attorney general for the sole purpose of righting the constitutional wrongs that had been done by this illegal investigation, I, I have full confidence that if there's anything to be done, he will do it. So I, I, so far, he's given me no reason to doubt uh, his desire and his ability to make sure that people are held accountable for what for what went on. What's the mood like in Tennessee? Uh, we're, we're slowly getting back to normal. Um, it definitely better than New York. It was never the, the Rona here was never, uh, the rampaging plague that it was in Manhattan. But, uh, I think people are cautiously getting back to work, trying to get back to normal. And we're, we're hoping, uh, the rest of America will be there soon. Sean Davis, co-founder of the Federalist. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Be good. Dude knows his stuff, Chris. Every time we have him on, there's always great information from him. I don't, Chris, I'm trying to be hopeful because, look, quit shaking your head. I don't need you to be the cynic. I'm the cynic. But I feel like, I feel like, I feel like Barr, and I've been, look, I'll be honest, I've been hard on Barr. Ever since Barr took that Andy McCabe stuff and didn't charge him with anything, just kind of let it all go. I've been hard on him. There's a chance for the first time in the history of the world. I was wrong. What, Chris? What? There's a chance. All right, we have more Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, and I'm going to start getting to these headlines, Chris. 877-377-4373. 877-377-4373. We'll take all your phone calls because it's a Friday. Hang on. sleep. I know what you go through at night because I've been there a million times in my life where you're exhausted. You had a long day. You finally, finally get that great feeling where you're walking to your bed and you lay down and your head hits the pillow and you pull those warm covers up over you and you're thinking to yourself, oh yes. And then you can't sleep because you can't turn your mind off because you can't stop thinking about the day you just had. You can't stop thinking about the day you're going to have, the pandemic, the economy. Everything is there. Stop that. Get an ebb sleep now. It's a wearable, drug-free solution that targets the root cause of the reasons you can't sleep. Your thoughts, those racing thoughts, ebb sleep will get rid of them. Go to tryebb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code JESSE at checkout. Get you 25 bucks off. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC.
I have way, way too many headlines here. There's no chance I'm going to get through all of them in the show and the Ask Dr. Jesse questions. And we have an awesome guest, that salon owner who opened up her salon in Dallas and gave the double middle finger to the government. We're having her on here shortly. So I have a lot to do, Chris, but you know what? I'm not sure there's anybody else in the world more qualified to do it all than me. It's what? It's part of having this humongous brain. I mean, I, I honestly, I can't believe my head isn't the size of three basketballs with all this heavy intelligence I have to carry around. It's a what? It's a burden. It's really a burden more than anything else. All right, I'm going to get to a couple headlines before I get more to more Ask Dr. Jesse questions, or you can write me, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Headline, Trump says Fauci's warnings about reopening amid coronavirus are not acceptable. Look, Trump is clearly switching gears. He sees the economic destruction. Doesn't do any good to hash out old stuff. Good for him. I'm glad he sees it. Here's my question. Why is Dr. Fauci speaking publicly still? Ever. At all. And I know what people always say. Well, the public likes to hear. The public trusts him. If Dr. Fauci who currently works on the president's coronavirus task force, is publicly saying things that the president does not like, the president should say, hey, doc, come here. Come in my office real quick. Have a seat right here beside me. I guess what you're never going to do again until you leave this administration, you're never going to open your mouth and speak about coronavirus again in public. Sound good? All good there? Thanks. Have a good one. I don't understand where this disconnect is. Trump has now publicly twice come out and said he disagrees with him. He disagrees. Well, buddy, you're not on equal footing. You're the boss. He works for you. If producer Chris was out there every day going on the radio saying the opposite of what I just said, I would say, uh, Chris, guess what? You're never doing that again. And that would be that. You're the boss. Tell Dr. Fauci to shut up. And I, Chris, am I out of line? I do not get the disconnect there. The president should never, ever have to publicly come out and say, I don't agree with Dr. Fauci. If you don't agree with Dr. Fauci, if he's not putting out the company line, then he goes away. The guy who works for Pepsi never, ever, 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 ever at any point in time is permitted to go out in public and, and go, you know, I really prefer Coke. You don't do that. There's one company line, and that's Pepsi. I can't. I, I honestly, I feel like throughout this entire process, I'm living on a different planet than other people are living on. Oh, I don't agree. Well, I think this is not acceptable. I think he was wrong about the schools. Well, then shut him up. Is there some constitutional requirement that Dr. Fauci has to live on CNN every night? If you disagree with him, tell him to shut up. I got upset, Chris. I wasn't going to get upset on a Friday. I just, I can't, I can't, I cannot deal with that. I can't deal with it. All right. Ask Dr. Jesse question. Will you take the Bill Gates vaccine when it's available? 
You know, I've never touched on vaccines, and vaccines are one of those things. As we speak, Chris, the fact that I just said the word, we are going to be full of emails about it. And vaccines are one of those things that people feel so strongly about. The super pro-vaccine people think the anti-vaccine people are trying to kill everybody in society with the Black Plague. The anti-vaccine people think the pro-vaccine people don't realize about the poison that's spreading through society. I've heard all the arguments. Vaccines are one of those things I don't really care about. And even that will make people mad. It's just not an issue I'm passionate about or care about either way. I mean, I've had my kids vaccinated with the basic vaccines. You can't get them in a daggone school if you don't do it. The first thing school wants to know, show me the vaccine records. I'm not super big on medications in my body, but I'm also not one of the, I'm never taking that. No, I don't need that pain medication. I'll be fine with this new knee. No, you can go ahead and give me all the pills in the world. I'm just going to disappear into a fog for about a month. So I'm fine with some medication. Uh, the, 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 the modern medicine stuff is fine. I'm not big on chemicals in my body. I'm just not. I talk about boomer naturals all the time. I'm just not big on chemicals in my body. Just not. And the Bill Gates thing is a little weird to me. Is it not weird, Chris? I don't want to go tinfoil on my head thing. I mean, he's a billionaire. I, it's, it's, everybody thinks the guy's the Antichrist. I, I don't know. The guy's got more money than he knows what to do with. And as we've talked about before, here's the thing. And this is, this is important for you to hear. You ready for this? If you could. Shoot. All right. Hang on one second. I'll explain. are an amateur. You do not know how to fight the IRS. I do not know how to fight the IRS. I am good at very few things in this life and fighting the IRS ain't one of them. And if you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS, I have news for you and it ain't good. They're not going to lose your number. They're not going to stop calling, texting, emailing, threatening. When they say they will take your business in your home, believe me, I've seen it. They will take your business in your home. They'll take your wages. Call Paramount Tax Relief. There's actually a chance you qualify for the new CNC tax program. And if you do, you will be allowed to stop making payments to the IRS while you're in the program. Let me say that again. Stop making payments. That's what it will allow you to do. Call Paramount Tax Relief today. They know what they're doing. 800-816-8749. That's 800-816-8749, Paramount Tax Relief. Here's the thing about being mega rich. 
If I could give you right now, if I could snap my fingers and I could make you Aladdin for a day and you get the genie in the bottle, you know, and I could give you every single thing you've ever wanted, what would it be? Sit and think, of course, I, everybody knows what yours would be, Chris. Yes, I know it's money. Believe me, everybody knows. All right. Then you wouldn't have to make your own menorah from scrap wood on the side of the road. It's still the most embarrassing thing you've ever done. Buy a freaking menorah for Pete's sake. But if I could snap my fingers and give you everything you've ever wanted, and I mean everything, there are no limits on this. All right, close your eyes. Unless you're driving, close your eyes. Take 30 seconds and go down the list. Give yourself 10 things. Everything you've ever wanted, and I don't care what it is. Private islands, jets, monies, women, whatever you want. You got it all? 10 to 20 things in your head? Now I'm going to tell you something about that 10 to 20 things in just a second. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Chris is losing faith that I'll be able to get through these headlines. Apparently the record that I've gotten through on Friday, you don't realize how many headlines he hands me that I just disregard during the week. And I try to, out of respect, get to all of them on Friday. My record is 20. I've gotten one today. <laughs> oh, shut up, Chris. We're screwing off. If you missed our sweet, sweet opening of the show, about the Batavia massacre. It was awesome, right, Chris? I told you it was going to be awesome. You can catch the whole show. It's Every show is podcasted right after the show on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. You can subscribe on iTunes. And don't forget on iTunes, leave a five-star review and talk about how handsome I am in the reviews. You guys are Killing me with these handsome reviews. I'm telling you what it's the and the matter management gets la- and the matter management gets about them. The harder I laugh, I actually had to mute my phone the other day because I could not stop laughing as they were yelling about it. Continue on, please. It's hilarious. Anyway, back to my thing. You got your 10, 20 things, everything you ever wanted. You'd be miserable soon. Don't get me wrong, you'd have a great week, month, maybe even year, but you'd be bored. Maybe miserable wasn't the right way, you'd be bored. And humans, rich people, poor people, everybody, humans are made, you are made to face challenges, to have challenges. To have things you overcome. You're made to have a project. Something you can sink your teeth into. Why do they say the number one killer of old people is retirement? Because you retire. You worked at the plant for 40 years. And 
Now you don't have anything. Uh, I can't wait to retire and get out of here. I'm going to go fish every day. Go fish for a week and two weeks and three weeks. And soon the bass biting ain't doing it for you anymore. Because what you've been doing is gone. How's that relate to Bill Gates? Chris, look it up real quick. What's Bill Gates' net worth? We're waiting for you, Chris. The whole country's waiting for you to come up with an answer. How long does it take? What is it? $110 billion. $110 billion. Bill Gates wakes up every single day of his life and does not face a significant challenge that he cannot buy his way out of. In in the grand scheme of things, I realize he's going to grow old and die one day. People get sick, so on and so forth. But if Bill Gates wakes up today, maybe he did. Bill Gates, phone uh, rings, or alarm goes off. Bill Gates rolls out of bed, heads to the bathroom, drains the old lizard, brushes his teeth, and says, you know what? I actually think I want to go to the Eiffel Tower. Bill Gates will be at the Eiffel Tower by the end of the day. One phone call. Private plane is fired up. Drives up to that private plane. He's not going through security. He's only driving if he wants to drive what I'm sure is a fleet of sports cars. Otherwise, he just walks out of his house, hops in the back of his limousine, gets driven to his private airfield in his private plane. They drive him right up. He gets out. He's not grabbing his luggage. He gets out. Some other people grab his stuff. He hops on the plane, goes up, sits back on the plane, puts his feet up. Some Swedish bikini model brings him a scotch. Asks him, what would you like today, Mr. Gates? Would you like a filet? With the side of lobster mac and cheese. You know what? That sounds good. Thank you, Alice. Eats. Reads today's paper. You know, I'm kind of tired. Heads back to the back of his plane where he climbs into his Tempur-Pedic king-size bed. Gets a nice nap on the way to Paris. Lands. Gets out of that plane where his other luxury car is waiting for him. Drives him over to the Eiffel Tower. That's how that man lives every single day of his life if he wants to. And it sounds amazing, right? Don't get me wrong. Just describing it to you sounds amazing to me. Sounds wonderful. But you know what that life lacks? Meaning. Challenges. A project. And so, yeah, I think the Gates stuff is weird. I do. But I expect wealthy people to do weird things because extreme wealth like that, it strips you of challenges. You don't have things anymore that you have to face down, and so you seek them out. So I can understand why people are weirded out about it, and I'm weird too. But I, I, I or weirded out, I should say, too. I get being weirded out of, what? wait a minute, the billionaire is going to come up with a vaccine? Why is he doing all this? This, this must be part of the new world order. I mean, look, maybe it is. Maybe it's some secret cabal. But I'm telling you, 
A lot of it is these people were just bored without challenges, so they seek them out. That's why every Hollywood celebrity will walk by 20 homeless people on their way to open up their new charity to, to save the homeless Siamese kittens in, in, in Tibet. Wait, what? That's a weird charity. Why are you doing? I mean, have you seen Joaquin Phoenix? He got up there at his Oscar speech, and the guy's like the best actor ever. I'm not indicting him, and starts talking about he starts talking about like saving animals that are being artificially inseminated or something. It was the weirdest thing in the world, and everybody was all, "Wow, I'm not comfortable. This is this is uncomfortable." Yeah. He's a weirdo with all the money in the world. He doesn't have anything else to do. So he sits around and thinks about the poor piggies. It's what he does. People are weird. Moving on. Gotta, I'm going to churn through these headlines now, Chris. You have not. <laughs> Shut up. You, I know it's one. I'm going to get to two. Joe Rogan says he's thinking about moving to Texas after California extends the coronavirus lockdown in August. I don't know Joe Rogan. I'm assuming I'm going to be on his show at some point in time. I'm assuming he's going to be on my show in time. <laughs> Look, we famous people just get together, all right? So I'm assuming that's going to happen. So this is not about Joe Rogan. But allow me to just say, you're not welcome here, Californians. And this is what I mean by that. It's not an indictment of Californians or California because I love California. California is stunningly beautiful. The restaurants are amazing, which you know is kind of my thing. I know so many cool people out there. There are tons of absolutely fire-breathing conservatives out there. Tons of them. They're outnumbered, and they're super fire-breathing now because they're stuck in a crappy blue state, and they can't do anything about it. So I love all this. But here's the issue we're going to have now. You have all these people who live in these blue states and these blue states are being insane with the lockdowns because they're getting off on the power and they want to screw Trump. And we're not going into all that today, but they look around Democrats too and say, oh man, they're going to screw my business. I can't do this anymore. You know what? Screw California. This Newsom's a nut job. Honey, pack up the, pack up the fam. We're out of here. And they take off and close the business and pack up the fam. And they get to Texas and buy a big old house in Texas. And come November, what do they do? Walk right back in the freaking polls and vote for the same kind of politicians they voted who destroyed their last state. Like locusts. And I'm worried about it, man. Don't come here and ruin my Texas. Again, I don't care if you pack up and leave your blue state for a red state. As long as your politics stay behind. Your state doesn't suck just for no reason. Your state sucks because of you. If you vote Democrat. If you've trashed your state, 
That's your problem. Dr. Jesse, should I make a grilled cheese sandwich using garlic bread this weekend? I'm sad to say that as the number one garlic bread fan in the United States of America, that's me, I have never made a grilled cheese sandwich out of garlic bread before. Chris, have you made a grilled cheese sandwich out of garlic bread? That's got to be phenomenal, right? That's got to, oh man, I'm so doing that now. (laughs) Now my... Now my mouth is watering. You hear that? That's good radio right there. Now my mouth is watering. You know what's underrated? And nobody knows about this? And Chris is a weirdo, stupid freak, so he's going to disagree with this. The best side for chicken wings in the world is garlic bread. People do not realize this, but since Chris hates blue cheese and ranch, he's not qualified to answer. But you normal people who eat ranch or blue cheese, either one's fine with your wings. You get a side of garlic bread with it, and you munch on your wings, and then you take that garlic bread, and you sop up the buffalo wing, blue cheese, or ranch you know, mixture on the plate. It is the best thing you will ever eat in your life. Gosh, now I'm starving. Chris, can we get some wings on the show? I bet you someone will send us wings for free. We need wings. Let's get some wings in here. All right, back to these headlines. I've got two down. I'm about getting ready to start churning and burning through them now, Chris. Coronavirus. Blind people shouted at this shouted at in the street for not social distancing. Good grief. You know, like the island where all those people were stranded after the Batavia struck. During crisis is when you find out the best and worst of people. And I, while I'm not hopeful of this, I hope many of you, when this is done, I hope you look back and say, oh, I'm I'm a little embarrassed. You should be embarrassed. Hear me out now. If you're a woman and you have at any point during this pandemic gone on Facebook and posted a complaint or somebody's picture of somebody not adhering to the guidelines you would like adhered to, you should be embarrassed with yourself and your conduct. Go back, delete that post, and consider apologizing to everybody you know. And I know what you're saying. You're so stupid. I was a good I, Those teenagers were playing basketball. They could have killed us all. I, I understand. You probably think that because you're insane. But understand, everybody knows now you're the neighborhood harpy. And unless you come out and apologize, they're all going to secretly hate your guts. All right? Headline. Hong Kong shop serving tear gas ice cream? What? The main ingredient, tear gas is among the new flavors of a Hong Kong ice cream shop. The main ingredient is black peppercorns, a reminder of the pungent peppery rounds fired by police on the streets of the semi-autonomous Chinese city during months of demonstrations last year. It tastes like tear gas. It feels difficult to breathe at first, and it's really pungent and irritating. It makes me want to drink a lot of water immediately, says customer Anita Wong. (laughs) Quit, Chris. Freaking grow up. Gosh. Says customer Anita Wong. 
customer Anita Wong, who experienced tear gas at a protest. I think it's a flashback that reminds me of how painful I felt in the movement and that I should never and that I shouldn't forget. You know what? Good for Anita Wong. We need Anita Wong on the show, Chris. Can we see if we can get Anita Wong? What? Can we see if we can get her? Gosh, grow up. Tear gas sucks. Have you ever been tear gas, Chris? Oh, I've been tear gassed. It sucks. <laughs> so they make you do this in the Marine Corps. My fellow Marines will know exactly what I'm talking about. It's part of boot camp where they, I mean, half of the, quote, training is just torture on purpose, trying to toughen you up. And what they do is they're geniuses about it. They start talking to you about the gas chamber you're going to have to go into almost immediately when they go there, when you get there. And they're talking to you about it in ways that make you crap your pants. They talk to you and, oh, man, wait for the gas chamber. Hope you guys are going to be ready for the gas chamber. Some of you might not make it out of the gas chamber. It's, it's, they really hammer it home. They really hammer home how miserable the gas chamber is going to be. And then they try to torture you more whenever you screw up or whenever they invent some screw up that you did because lots of times you don't even have to screw up. They'll send you into a bathroom stall and they stuff like seven or eight of you inside of a bathroom stall, a small one, a small bathroom stall, and they'll dump ammonia all over the floor. So you can't hardly breathe. And then guys will start panicking because you're all piled in there and guys get claustrophobic anyway. And, they're, and then because of the ammonia, you can't breathe. And I'm generally not great in claustrophobic situations, but that didn't bother me much. I knew what they were doing. I will tell you, some guys flat out had panic attacks in there, though. It would freak you out, man. It freak you out. And then you you get up to you're getting close to gas chamber time. And, of course, they do all this. Well, it's really in the interest of just teaching you how to use a gas mask. That's <laughs> such a bunch of crap. <laughs> oh, we're, look, we're just trying to help you out. <laughs> so they do teach you how to use a gas mask. And when I say teach you, understand, uh, it's, it's not like you see in the movies. You just throw the thing on and you're fine. Well, lots of times you throw the thing on when there's gas already in the air. So you have to throw the thing on. There are things you have to do to clear the gas mask out of the gas that's already in the gas mask. Otherwise, it doesn't do any good to put on a gas mask if you're just going to seal anything in there. You have to put it on right. You have to figure out how to tighten the straps, how to do all this. And, and this is big for the Marine Corps, which, I mean, there's a purpose to this. You have to figure out how to do this under extreme stress. It's not... It's not you and I sitting here gabbing like we are right now and, okay, well, here you go, Jesse. Here's a gas mask. What I want you to do is slowly put this on. Oh, 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 make sure the straps. Now, yeah, they show you how to use it, but they want to know you can do it under stress. So they, when it comes time to go to the gas chamber, it's this building. Now, I'm going to screw up the dimensions on this because I'm old now. And this was tw- it's two decades ago. It's two decades ago. But I would say a 25-foot by 25-foot building. It's a big one-room building. And you go line up with your fellow recruits. And you go in in groups, mind you. 
Now, if I had it to do over again, and I realize they do this on purpose, I would go in with the first group because everything you're doing has a psychological component to it. And they do that on purpose. Again, they're they're absolutely terrible to you. That's the Marine Corps. It's not the Cub Scouts. It should be terrible. It should be miserable. And what happens is you're nervous. They've made dang sure you're nervous by this point in time. They want you scared to death because it's hilarious. And it is hilarious. Well, you show up and you're waiting for your group and you've got your gas mask on your side. It's in a pouch on your side. It's not like you're holding it in your hands ready to throw it on your head. It's in this special gas mask pouch you wear around your hip. And you show up and, you, you know, you have to stand there at attention. And the first group goes in and you hear all this shouting from inside. And it really does not sound pleasant in there. There are noises in there that don't sound good. <laughs> Hang on. I do not like public restrooms. I don't. They gross me out. Everybody knows it. I've talked about it extensively on the show. And the reason I don't like them is I don't know what the cleaning schedule is. Not just at some dirty, grungy gas station one either. A hotel, wherever you may be. How do I know what the cleaning schedule is? What if it's never been cleaned? What if that faucet's never been cleaned? I think about these things. And that's natural. You probably do too. But do you think about them when it comes to your phone? Do you know that table your phone's sitting on right now? Do you know when the last time it was cleaned? If it's in your home, you probably do. If it's not in your home, you have no idea. On average, we know this. Your phone has more bacteria on it than a public restroom. Go get a clean phone pro. It uses UVC lights, disinfects your phone. Go to AmericaFirstShop.com and get the clean phone pro there. Use the code JESSE at checkout. You get free two-day FedEx shipping. Well, the truth of the matter is this. A lot of people have spent my adult life talking to me on the radio, TV, and Congress about freedom this and freedom that. And you have freedom, freedom, America's freedom. And when the S hit the fan, as they say, a lot of those people ran and hid under their bed and told everybody to shut up and go home, peasant. And people you don't expect step up and say, "Uh, that's not right. It's not who we are. And so I am thrilled to welcome in Shelley Luther. Yes, that Shelley Luther, the now nationally famous Shelley Luther, the owner of that Dallas salon who opened back up in defiance of government orders. Shelley, what's it like being famous now? <laughs> um, it's pretty surreal, actually. I'm just trying to keep up. <laughs> I would imagine you've had plenty of fan mail, plenty of not so much fan mail. I, I, I certainly understand what that's like. Explain your thinking process and why you finally opened. Because, look, it's easy to sit and say, just defy the government. It's another thing entirely to actually do it. And it certainly cost you at the time. What was the thinking process? Why do it at all? Um, I mean, several reasons. Obviously, um, you know, we all shut down and we're willing to shut down to make sure to keep people safe. But 
they weren't opening us up. They kept pushing back the goalposts and weren't giving getting any government assistance. But the real trigger was when my hairstylist started coming to me saying they need to start working underground um, because they're not able to pay their mortgage or feed their families. And I said, you know what, we can't do that because that's not safe. We need to make sure if we're going to open and do this, we need to do it right in a very sanitized environment um, with CDC guidelines, uh, social distancing and all of those things. And it was actually more of a, a, a response of responsibility, if that makes sense. No, it does. No, it does. Now, what was, okay, so you open up, you're cutting hair. What is the first way the authorities got in contact with you and said, stop? Did they make a phone call? Did a cop show up at your door? They send the SWAT team in? What was the first contact? (laughs) Um, Honestly, we decided we were going to open. The the decision was made April 18th, and we didn't open until the 24th. But starting April 18th, I started advertising that we were going to be open. Okay. One of the and, main things, I didn't want to feel guilty about it. I didn't want to hide from it. And I wanted to show people that we thought it was right to open. And so um, we got contacted the day before we opened from the Texas you know, State Licensing uh, Agency and said, you better not open. Cops are going to show up. And I'm like, I'm going to open. I don't know what to tell you. So the, the cops did show up. Um, the next day, they wrote us a citation. On that Friday, we opened. How were, uh, obviously, I don't want you to indict anybody or name names unless you feel the need to do so, but how were the cops when they showed up to write that citation? I understand they were told to do so. Were they enthusiastic about it? Did they give you that wink, wink, nudge, nudge, hey, I'm sorry we have to do this kind of thing? How did they act? <laughs> it was very, very wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. I, I felt sorry for them because, obviously, they're trying to build rapport with the community these days, um, especially in Dallas. And... Um, they basically had their tail between their legs because it was just almost embarrassing for them. And I knew it wasn't coming from them. They were very respectful. And of course I responded with respect as well. That's awesome. Now, how did it go from a citation to you ending up in jail? (laughs) Well, the same day, um, the city ordinance came out, told me to shut down. I said, no. And then a letter came from uh, the Dallas uh, County commissioner, judge Clay Jenkins, um, ordering me to shut down a cease and desist letter, threatening a lawsuit and criminal charges. And I still did not shut down. And then a few days later, I received a temporary restraining order from the uh, judge, Eric Moyer. And uh, then the rest is history from there. Everybody's seen the video of how he, uh, you know, sentenced me to seven days in jail for going against his temporary restraining order, basically contempt of court. Yeah, everybody has seen that. In fact, I played that on my TV show. That was legendary. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, how exactly were you received in jail? I I just this is a random assumption. I mean, for all I know, you're a career criminal, but I'm assuming you haven't spent much time in the clink. I've never been to the pokey. Never. So uh, when I came in, there is a TV in in there, like in a main rec area. Oh, nice. Um, but none of the ladies, the other seven ladies that were in the same area as me, they none of them had ever seen me before. I don't think they really watched the news. They kind of had like their you know normal shows that they watched. Do they? Uh, how was the food? I did not eat the food. Oh, Shelly, we need the details. Was it that bad, or they didn't serve you any? Uh, no. It, uh, well, what came cooked looked really like it was unrecognizable. <laughs> and then 
a lot of the times it was just like they slapped a couple pieces of white bread and and gave you like a thing of cheese and some other meat that I'm, I wasn't sure what it was, so I just didn't eat. Um, I mean, it was only two days, so I mean, people fast longer than that. It wasn't that big a deal. Two days. How many prison tattoos do you have now? <laughs> I have zero tattoos, but let me tell you, I'm thinking about getting one. If they don't open up Texas tattoos uh, shop, I'm thinking of getting one in protest. <laughs> yeah, those, those tattoo guys will do it, too. It's actually funny you brought that up. I interviewed that guy who opened up his tattoo shop in North Carolina the other day. And he was he was all about it, and he really was he was saying the exact same thing. It's just not fair. It's not fair to my people. I'm behind on my mortgage. All right, where do you stand now? I understand you're doing stuff for other small businesses. Are you financially bankrupt? Did people help you out so much you're good to go? Are you open? Are you closed? Where are you? Well, let's start with the salon is open, and it will stay open. Um, and uh, it never shut down the entire time that all of this was happening. Um Secondly, I'm sure a lot of people have heard, I had a GoFundMe that someone had set up for me, a a guy that I'd never met before but um, talked to before my court case. And I went into uh, the court case with about $20,000 in there, which is crazy money to me. Um, But when I got out of jail two days later, there was a half a million dollars. (laughs) That's great. And, And I'm assuming you have that, right? This guy didn't turn out to be a scammer and he's in Ecuador or something with our money, right? No, no. Um, I have most of it. GoFundMe does it to where it kind of gives it to you in chunks, but I do have most of it. Um, but yes, I set up, a, when, you know, I thought a lot about it when I was in jail, what I wanted to do, um, because I found out like, not the day I was in jail, but the next day that it was at like $150,000. And the first thing I thought of is like, man, how do I give back to these people? Um, and so I started a charitable organization. It's called Courage to Stand at CourageToStand.com. And if we're ever able to receive any more donations, what we're going to do is stand up to the government and take our country back. And I'm going to do that one shop at a time. And as a matter of fact, uh, my boyfriend and I, we're on our way to Michigan right now to help Mr. Carl Menke and stand in Owasa against that tyrannic governor in Michigan. Thank God, Chris. we got to get this lady running for office. You know they're going to get you running for office, right? And then there's going to be really, really a lot of benefit to having like a teardrop tattoo on your face. <laughs> Maybe I'll be the first one and be like, what? I have three friends I'm allowed to. <laughs> Shelly Luther, go do your thing. Hey, pl- go ahead and plug this charity again, please. CourageToStand.com. Thank you so much. I really appreciate any support we can get. Let's get America open again and get people working. You are very welcome. My hair is retreating because I'm married with kids, but next time I'm in Dallas, I'm coming to see you. Awesome. Can't wait. Thanks so much. Be good. That lady's dynamite, dude. That lady is dynamite. I will tell you, full disclosure, I generally don't like having people I've never talked to in my life on, especially people that don't do... Media, because you never know. I mean, we all know, we've all heard the bad interviews. You've heard them on my show, I'm sad to say. Now, granted, you never hear them twice. If somebody's bad, they don't get invited back. But you've heard the, uh, uh, I, 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 like, uh, uh, I don't, uh, uh, that lady's awesome, dude. We need to get that lady running for office. We do. I mean, look. It's not ideal to have more women in office, but she sounded really good. Stop, Chris. We can make jokes on a Friday afternoon. Gosh. All right, I'll finish my gas mask story, and then I'm going to churn through. I'm going to churn through these headlines really fast. Hang on. 
Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. I love a good night's sleep. And it's not just because I wake up feeling good. It's because I'm sharper the next day. I really notice it when I'm talking to people, when I'm talking to you on the air. I just feel like my thoughts are actually clear. And you know what it's like when you don't get that night's sleep. Because I've been there so many times. You walk around in a fog. There's no better way to say it. You walk around in a fog. Everything is slowed down for you, and it feels like everyone else is living it fast forward. You can stop that. You can target those racing thoughts that keep you awake at night if you go get an ebb sleep. Go to tryebb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse and see what I'm talking about. It's a wearable device that applies continuous cooling to your forehead, which calms those thoughts down. Oh, and do not forget to use the code JESSE at checkout. Get you 25 bucks off. Ebb sleep. So you watch the first group go through the gas chamber. And when they come out the other side, remember, they're shouting inside. The drill instructors are screaming at you. Guys, are, they're freaking out. And you don't really know why until you go in. You're like, you don't know. And they do this on purpose. I mean, they give you some overview, but you don't know what you're going into. And then you see them come out the other side. And it's awful. These dudes are all vomiting or dry heaving. There is so much. Their eyes are pouring with tears. There is so much. And look, it's so gross. There's no way I can put I, I can't sugarcoat it for you. There's so much snot and drool pouring out of the nose and face that you're just bent over and it's pouring off of your face in a stream. And you're just. And, and you're watching a huge group of people do this and you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh. There's no way I'm going to live. I'm going to die. You know what? Just shoot me in the face now so I don't have to go in. I'm going to die. And they finally, they bring you in. And, of course, they have all the, you, you have to put on your gas mask. If I remember right, I maybe remember parts of this wrong. I don't think so, though. You have to put on your gas mask before they open the door for you to go in because they have all the gas cooking in the inside. It's just firing up gas. And you go in and you're standing there. And it's this dark room. It's pretty dark. And you're all standing around the ends. And you're standing here and you're just watching this room fill up with this tear gas. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, this sucks. And then they start making you do stuff like crack the side of your mask to let in some gas. And they'll be going around making sure the side of your mask is like the seal's broken. And then you have to seal it back up and blow it out and clear it out. And even then it's like, uh, <coughs> I've got a little gas. I'm okay, though. Okay, though. And, and I don't remember what else they made you do. And for some reason, I think they made us do some calisthenics, like some jumping jacks or something. Of course they would. And finally, it's like the grand finale. You have to take the thing off, all the way off with your eyes shut. And then they, if I remember right, I'm almost positive, they make you open your eyes. And then they slam back shut, and then you have to put the gas mask on because they want you to be able to do it when you're in desperate straits, right? You have to put the gas mask back on and then clear it out. But by now, especially because you're not used to this yet, you've, you've lost control. 
by now you can't you can't breathe anymore because it feels like somebody is jamming a needle into your eyes and your lungs are full and like every breath is like it catches in the back of your throat immediately so you feel like you're suffocating and they're they're screaming at you <laughs> they're screaming at you the whole time and eventually you have to put your hands on the shoulders of the guy ahead of you and march out in a line like that and you just go charging out and just <laughs> it sucked it sucked so bad Oh, gosh. How much time do I have, Chris? I have like 25 headlines. I have four minutes. All right, I got this. All right, ready to motor? Coronavirus prompts Starbucks to seek rent relief from store landlords. Yes, big businesses as well as small businesses have overhead to meet, and the wiping out of these big businesses is going to be a major deal because small businesses are half the employees. Big businesses are the other half. And when they start shutting, yikes. Headline, fearing the end of the world, a man returns an ancient stolen relic. Well, why would you return it if it's the end of the world? I'm hanging on to that till it's over. Headline, Obama was, Obama was in this up to his eyeballs, end quote. Rand Paul requests Grinnell, that's Rick Grinnell, testify about the Flynn unmasking. Uh, yeah. I think the president of the United States of America using the Federal Bureau of Investigation to to wiretap his political opponent. Kind of a big deal we should hear from Obama on. Headline. Trump says critics want to keep the economy closed until the election. Quote, it's a political thing. Of course it's a political political thing. Liberals understand their nature. They would happily burn this country to ash if it meant taking power. Headline. California reaches deal with Tesla to reopen factory. Remember, Elon Musk said, I'm opening my factory against your rules. California said, screw you. Elon Musk said, no, 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 screw you. I'm moving it to Texas. Surprise, surprise. The county where this was happening decided, well, you know what? I actually think we're going to want that tax revenue. Go ahead and open, Elon. Good for you. Headline, state police arrest alleged trespasser in the shower. You know what? You can make fun of this guy all you want until you've gone long periods of time without a shower. You will never understand the glory of a shower. At one point in time in Baghdad, I hadn't showered in forever, and I saw a garden hose, and you saw a bunch of Marines stripping down like it was at Cheetahs in Vegas on a Friday night, standing around this garden hose trying to get ourselves clean you can't put a price on being clean. Headline. Shut up, Chris. I only have one minute left. Oh, my gosh. Headline. Fair to assume illegal aliens will get mail-in ballots in California. No. I'm sure the California leftists have been importing illegals by the droves just out of the goodness of their hearts. Headline. Meet the let-them-eat-cake celebrities. Yes, I have loved all the celebrities enjoying this this lockdown on their yachts and in their vacation homes telling you to shut up and stay inside. 30 seconds left. Dang it. Headline, New Orleans locals face masks let you sip cocktails in safety. Nothing says a safe face mask like a gigantic hole in the front of it. Hang on. I have two minutes left. I'm going to get through them.
BoomerNaturals.com has face masks. And they don't just have adult sizes. They have kid sizes. I have to tell you, I was in the grocery store last night, and I saw some lady with a face mask. That's fine. Wear a face mask if you want. A lot of people need to wear one. And she had a face mask on her daughter that quite literally covered up half the poor kid's eyes. It was so big. If your kid is going to wear a face mask, at least get the child a child-sized face mask. A lot of you are in these cities that require them. Or you're going to be working for an employer that requires them. Don't go buy some junky one. Boomer Naturals has a good one. 92.2% bacterial protection. And you can breathe. And it's comfortable. Go to BoomerNaturals.com, and I'm about to save you some money, right? If you use the code JESSE20 at checkout, again, JESSE20 at checkout, you get 20% off every single order, no matter what you order. BoomerNaturals.com. If you missed any part of the show any part at all the whole thing is podcasted right after the show by chris it's all on iheart google spotify it's on itunes you can subscribe on itunes and when you do that leave me a five-star review and remember people talk about how handsome i am in the comments it's hilarious and management absolutely hates it headline Elon Musk reopening California factory against county order. We already knocked that story out with the last one. With the last one, that counts as me getting through it. Chris, headline: Emory professor admits to Chinese spy ring involvement. If you send your kids to an American university, there is an above-average chance they are receiving communist propaganda, either directly from the Chinese commies or from unwitting leftists in America who do not realize they're actually aiding our worst enemy. Headline, Colorado restaurant draws crowds after reopening in defiance of state orders. Yes, Americans are not made to be locked in their homes. Screw you, I'm going to Red Lobster. Headline, AM Joy AM Joy panel blames NRA, NRA and the rise of Trumpism for Ahmaud Arbery murder. I've already accepted they hate me. They think I'm a Nazi and a murderer. Why not pin something in Georgia on me? Headline, nursing home residents and workers make up a third of coronavirus deaths. Yes, the virus is horrible on old people and fat people and people with pre-existing conditions. That's all. The Jesse Kelly Show. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Chew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off.
Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that historically delivers sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, U.S. service members and first responders who die or are catastrophically injured in the line of duty and homeless veterans. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us by the men and women who risked their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs walks and climbs a year and dozens of golf outings and barbecues the tunnel to towers 9-11 institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about america's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget more than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to tunnel to towers goes to its programs never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes donate 11 dollars a month to tunnel to towers at t2t.org that's t the number two t.org Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.